Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, Serie A fan. The Azuria back in form after a disappointing start to the round. But do standout performances from Kane and Raspadori signal a changing of the guard? We chat about that, plus look ahead to the weekend games, as well as bringing you a special interview from Venezia fan Marco Rinaldi on this episode of Scudetto. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Scudetto. And uh, the international break is now over, obviously ending on a high note for the Azzurri. So we're going to be looking back over the latter two games uh plus we've got a very special interview for you uh with venezia fan marco rinaldi uh and then obviously we'll be looking ahead to the weekend games um so lots to get through but first let's catch up with the squad kenny good evening how are you getting on good evening oscar i'm doing i'm doing well i feel like it might have been boaz's turn to go first this week but uh but yeah yeah i'm good i'm good how are you doing was it we need to start keeping track of that we're tracking a lot of things now under the new regime for organising the podcast, but that's not one of the things that's being tracked. I'm just the warm-up act. That's because it's a 50-50 option. It's not, there's not a lot to remember. <laughs> <laughs> well, since I've had my vaccine, obviously my memory is uh, starting to deteriorate. So. Your memory's all being used up by Bill Gates, is that what you're saying? Yeah, so I need more RAM for the 5G signal. Anyway, what are you drinking, Kenny? Yeah, I'm sticking with my uh, sticking to my guns still on the alcohol-free beers. But uh, you you remember I was slightly disappointed to to be having a Brewdog uh, Punk AF, and this week I have upgraded to a Brewdog Nanny State, which is yeah, as I remember it, much nicer. Very good. Yeah, we were coming across as sort of borderline alcoholics last week. but um, once We again, were. You were. Yeah, well, I'm not even drinking this week. Kenny's on the non-alcoholic. So um, how about you, Baz? You keeping up the, our reputation? I, I, I'm having my one weekly beer as usual during the recording of this episode and then six more before tomorrow night. <laughs> cool. Um, so what have you been up to for the rest of the week whilst not drinking beer? It's actually Rosh Hashanah, which is a Jewish New Year. And uh, since we had a little bit of time off, we decided to take our son um, to the local safari. And as these things often happen, uh, he was completely awake the whole drive there. He was smiling, happy. And then as soon as we paid to get in, he fell asleep. So that was nice. But perhaps my highlight of this trip was um, me attempting to speak to the kangaroos in a full Australian accent. <laughs> and I, I'm not going to do it now in case I offend the whole nation. But um, let's say the kangaroos weren't too happy with my suggestions of a Barbie and, uh, and beers and surfing. So there you have it. That's fantastic. And uh, Happy New Year. Thank um, you. While we're on the topic, actually, of... Um, Australian accents. Um, maybe we should check in on the tipping league, which we're this is the Tifosi down under tipping league, which we're taking it in turns. 
to uh, submit our predictions to. Kenny, you're up this week. Feeling confident? Um, I was feeling a lot more confident last week, could you ask me, than uh, this week when I had to make the predictions. I actually put down <laughs> all of my scores and just before I hit submit, I kind of... Uh, had a had a look at the scores and I thought those that's way too many high scoring games there. So I just knocked a couple of goals off here and there and then hit submit and then did my sums and realized that my total of goals was actually about seven goals less than there were in uh, match week one of uh, Serie A. So I guess that's just testament to how many goals are actually scored in the league. Indeed. Anyway, yeah, we'll uh, we'll check in next week when it's my turn again and hopefully you would have done worse than me. Because uh, I don't I doubt fancy. That. Well, okay, I guess we'll see about that then, Kenny. Uh, just before we move on and talk about the Azuri, just wanted to say thank you to all of the listeners who tweeted, sent us Facebook messages, WhatsApp messages, snail mail, snail mail, or anyone who got in touch just to say pigeon. Um, congratulations on our fiftieth episode. Uh, we appreciate it very much. So uh, yeah, we thought after Switzerland. Uh, last week, it was sort of a bit of a disappointing international round for Italy. Um, but all things considered, it's sort of job done now, isn't it, Kenny? Yeah, I mean, I think to a certain extent, um, there, there was a lot of negative reaction, I think, after the first two games. The reality is that Italy didn't, actu- didn't actually play badly in either the Bulgaria game or the Switzerland game. The problem was, as, as it has been for for Italy, in actually just taking their chances. I mean, in particular, the first half uh, against uh, against Switzerland, they were, you know, they had plenty of chances to go in. They should really, before Jorginho's penalty miss, that horrific penalty miss, Italy should already have been one or two goals up. Um, but yeah, I mean, despite that, disappointing to come away from those first two games with just two points. Uh, but then... Obviously, it was Lithuania, but had that resounding victory and Switzerland dropped points elsewhere. And I think if you'd offered Italy seven points from from the games uh, under the assumption that Switzerland would have got got full points off of Northern Ireland, uh, Italy would have been perfectly happy with that. So they have been, I guess, let out of of jail a little bit and looking in a really, really strong position uh, going into the last four games, if you ask me. Yeah, absolutely. And um, a little bit of a kind of transformation between the, the first and second game. Obviously, Baz Insigne, Mobile, Berardi all missed quite a lot of chances against Switzerland. Uh, and do, so do we think the kind of young guns have thrown up a bit of a solution to the striker problem with Raspadori and Kane, Moise Kane obviously coming in and doing very well? First of all, of course, uh, Italy were only playing uh, Lithuania. So the, the team... Uh, the other team on the pitch weren't that strong, but it was curious to see um, Italy sending home so, so many players uh, before uh, what became a key game, most of whom went away for uh, injuries and supposed injuries, although uh, Insigne also went away for uh, family reasons, so hopefully that issue will resolve itself before the Juve game. But in any case, um, yeah. we've long been uh, fans of uh, both Moise Keane or Moseken, as it, however you want to pronounce it, and Raspadori, and to see them both play up front for the Azzurri kind of bodes well for the future. And it, uh, while I think um, Chiro Immobile will not be losing his place just yet, maybe he needs to start looking over his shoulder. Yeah, I mean, they were absolutely on, on fire, weren't they? And uh, I, I know that the people were clamoring to, to give Raspadori 
two goals. I think it's a bit, a bit generous on the first one, to be honest. It looked uh, looks to me like they've got that one right as an own goal because there is absolutely no way, uh, no way at all that, that shot was going on target. But yeah, I mean, what a, a full international debut for him in his uh, in his home stadium in front of all of his family to get the goal. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think Italy have been crying out for someone like him um we hoped that it could have been immobile maybe it still can be but just you know just a, a bit of a predator really for the goal that he did actually get just uh nothing spectacular about it but just a real goal scorer's goal right place right time no messing about yeah and uh, kane as well who was obviously a bit gutted to be left at home over the summer in the euros um and apparently had been you know, spoken himself about that and uh, been promised another chance in the squad by Mancini. So great to see him back. Um, but as I know, you did want to just pick out one uh, slight negative. We've got some criticism for uh, Italy's number one. Well, it's obvious to everyone who listens to this podcast that uh, Gigi Nomura is a fantastic keeper. Perhaps um, his uh, play with his feet is not uh, his the best element of his game. And in a match where uh, Italy dominate possession, really he, he has no major saves to make. Let's say he did uh, stress a few p- people out with uh, his casual passes and some of his uh, brash deliveries. And for those people who think that I might have a, an agenda against uh, the big keeper because um, <laughs> because he left uh, AC Milan to ostensibly sit on a bench somewhere in Paris... I have to say that this is a, was an opinion that was uh, also set out by Gazzetta Lero Sport and Corriere dello Sport. And he was also quite criticized by the captain Jorginho, as well as uh, Brian Cristante and uh, Acerbi during the games. So, um, you know, maybe it's something that while he's, go- he's got a lot of spare time right now, maybe he can work on his footwork. <laughs> yeah, well, we did speak about the move and uh, Kenny very wisely pointing out that what's Maybe best in the short term is not the best long-term career move. Guess we'll have to see how that one works out. Yeah. But now it's time for our interview with um, Venezia supporter Marco Rinaldi, who Kenny spoke to earlier. So, Marco, thank you very much for, for joining us. It's a real pleasure to have you on the, on the pod and uh, welcome to Scudetto. Thanks very much for having me. Great. So um, I thought, obviously, the Venezia story uh, over the last... Uh, well, over the last 20 years or so has been, yeah, it's been a bit of an incredible one, really. Obviously, things looking looking quite positive at the moment, but I thought a nice place to, to start would be if we just kind of spoke a little bit about the, the promotion. Uh, I know that it's been, obviously, the last sort of year and a half have been a strange time for, for everybody with with COVID, and we've kind of seen that with, with football firsthand, empty stadiums, um, sort of lockdown affecting football as well. But Venezia have kind of almost used it uh, used it as a, a reset as a as a club. Uh, I know that they you know they were struggling pre lockdown uh, and then they kind of turned that around afterwards. Um, turned what was a relegation threatened season uh, into kind of a solid mid table finish, and then went on a, a hiring spree of backroom staff and eventually ended up finishing fifth and getting promoted to to Serie A. Uh, through the playoffs, how does it feel as a as a Venezia fan to to be back in Serie A after I believe it's nearly twenty years? 
just with everything the club's been through with, you know, the various relegation fights, the bankruptcy, the starting again from Serie D, the new owners. So, yeah, I mean, obviously it's, it's brilliant to be in Serie A and sort of unexpected <laughs> after, after all this time. I mean, there's been, I think, three bankruptcies uh, and uh, various owners in the past, since the last time we were in Serie A. But since Tacopina took us over in 2016, I think it was, there has been a sort of confidence that, you know, we've been on an upward trajectory. We got promoted from Serie D, Serie C, we had Inzaghi as manager and, uh, you know, being in Serie B, I think yeah. we were in Serie B for three seasons and we were relegated officially in one of those seasons, but um, Palermo went bust, so yes. we got we got back in. And then it was really after that, we, we sort of bounced off that. As you said, we had the season with Dionisi, who's now at Sassuolo as manager, and we turned that season around. And then last season, we got Zanetian, who really transformed the club, I think. You know, he, he, to me, is a very exciting manager. Dionisi is a good manager as well, but Zanetti seems to be able to forge a real team spirit among players that were from all around Europe. Um, he managed to great, create a great team, and we really defied the expectations last season to finish fifth. And then obviously had the great playoff run. Yeah which was topped off for me by, even though we were technically already through pretty much when Bocalon scored his goal in the 95th minute against Cittadella, it was it was fitting that he, a true Venetian, should should do that, <laughs> score the last goal to, to take us up. Yeah, so I mean, you've spoken obviously a bit, bit about the promotion there, but obviously from that, there's um, it's actually been kind of... Uh, marked difference i think between the way that the three promoted clubs have kind of faced the the transfer window um you've obviously got salernitana who have just splashed the cash on on ribery and got simi in um and they seem to have complemented that with a load of signings from sort of bigger Serie A clubs impoli have gone a bit more for continuity perhaps although i think they've kind of got a whole new backline but other than that, they've kind of just brought in, you know, a couple of people like Cutrone and uh, and the like, sort of loan sign again, a couple of signings from, you know, established Serie A players. Um, Venezia, on the other hand, seem to have kind of made somewhat sort of wholesale changes, uh, but it very much seems to be focused on kind of more of a sort of scouting network um, across Europe. Obviously, before, before we uh, sort of started recording this, we... In, in the past couple of days, you mentioned to me that Venezia are looking to emulate the type of thing that, that um, Atalanta have done. How do you actually see the squad shaping up? To what extent do you think it's a challenge to bring all of those pieces kind of together into a cohesive squad? Yeah, I mean, like I think it worked last season. We brought in a few young players and a couple of experienced players from Europe. And we had sort of Dennis Johnson... Uh, Chernigoy and, and and various others that, that came in and did well. I think I, I am a bit concerned about our, tra- our approach to the transfer market this okay. window because we really have changed everything. And not only that, it, as you say, we've not bought anyone with any real experience of Serie A or Italian mm. football. And it's fine, I think, as a policy, you know, as a long-term, medium-term goal for the club to say, let's buy young, promising youngsters develop them and then sell them on for a profit. I think that's a good sustainable model. But I'm just worried that this season we've bought these youngsters 
you know, some of whom, like Buzio from the MLS, looks actually really good in that in the game against Udinese to me, gave away the second goal. But apart from that, he, he had yeah. a great game. But uh, I just worry, even though Zanetti is great at creating a team spirit and everything, we've got rid of that team that fought for each other so hard last season. And I'm worried about the cohesiveness and how quickly okay. he can forge that again. And mm-hmm. we've got games against Empoli and Spezia coming up in the yeah. next couple of weeks. And those are the game, the sort of games we need to be aiming to win if we want to try and survive. So it's we've made life pretty difficult for ourselves, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's just trying to get it to, to gel as, as quickly as possible. I mean, you, you mentioned the, the upcoming games there. Um, obviously, a little bit sort of further down the line, there's... Milan coming up as well I think after those two games it has been kind of a, a challenging start to the the season really um we've particularly been impressed with with Empoli I'd say in in the first couple of uh, games mm-hmm. that that we've seen I thought personally I thought they were actually the scoreline didn't really in the in the Lazio game didn't really reflect the the game and obviously they had that incredible uh, result in in Turin as well how do you feel going into into the game? Um, how do you see it going? Obviously, Empoli have that element of continuity, perhaps that Venezia Venezia don't have. Are you feeling positive going into it? Are you feeling at all um, apprehensive? Uh, apprehensive is the word, definitely, right. because it's one of these games that I feel we need to win. Now, I always thought that the start of the season was going to we would we would look in a worse position than we actually have the potential to be in because we're away from home because we've got work being done on the pen so we, we chose to we asked for a few games away from home at the start of the season we've got all these new players it will take time for them to gel yeah. so I did always think the start would be a bit bumpy but mm. I do I have to say that you know as you've alluded to Empoli have that that continuity and it, and it's evident and what I'm just slightly worried about is that, that we don't have that we, we, you know there's a potential that we could line up against Empoli with none of our players from last season, apart from our go- one of our goalkeepers, right. who none of whom I think are particularly very good. So, <laughs> um, you know, I think we should have kept the core of our team. To me, someone like in our midfield, Fiorgimino, is as good as some of these new guys, Tesman, who's unproven from the MLS and people like mm. that, or Heymans. You know, I, I would have preferred to see us keep this the core of the team and add a few elements in slowly slowly yeah. um, like Forte was dropped for the game against Udinese even though he, I thought he played quite well against Napoli mm. and he was such a key part of our promotion so I'm just worried that that might affect his confidence as well so I am apprehensive about the Empoli game because it is a okay we're away from home but it's still a a game that we need to be taking points from if we want to have any chance of survival. Mm, okay. Um, I mean, yeah, obviously these two games, as, you, as you've said, they're um, kind of the games that you want to be you want to be winning, really, if you're looking to kind of kick on and establish yourselves in, in Serie A. But I wonder as well if the other games, I mean, Odin, never an easy place to go. Um, Napoli, obviously, very, very difficult first game back. And then that Milan game coming up, is that perhaps a blessing in disguise that, you're getting some of these really difficult games out of the way early and it gives the, the team a chance to gel. A, a better way of asking the question, I guess, is just up front, um, what are your expectations for, for the seasons? Perhaps not perhaps not like a, a sort of snap prediction, but kind of expectations and hopes for, for the season ahead. Yeah, 
I mean, I I think it's going to be very difficult for us. I thought it would be difficult beforehand and after the first two games and then losing a friendly 4-0 to um, Brescia um, just last week doesn't bode well. So I think it's going to be an incredibly difficult season. I do have faith if we give him time that Zanetti will create a tough Mm -hmm. team to beat and actually we play, his teams play nice progressive football. Yeah. um, And I think some of the new guys do look pretty good. I've mentioned Buzio uh, before, who I think has the potential to be a really good player. Um, and uh, Henri up front may turn out to be a, a good striker. Mm. So I think it's going to be a very tough season and we're going to, right. we're going to have to enjoy the, the highs infrequently. But I still have a hope, you know, that, that we can claw out a survival because once we get going, I think... You know, if Zanetti can get that same sort of team spirit, then we will become harder to beat, and yeah. hopefully, we'll be able to surprise a few teams as well. So that even if we don't get points from Empoli, you might get a surprise result against a Genoa or yeah. a Fiorentina or something like that. Yeah, yeah. brilliant. Um, well, Marco, thank you, thank you very much for for agreeing to to come on and uh, and speak to us. And yeah, all all the very best for the season ahead. Thanks very much for having me. Thanks very much to uh, Marco Rinaldi there. And uh, you can find Marco Rinaldi at Marco R. Rinaldi. He'll be tweeting about all things Venezia. Um, And he he recently wrote a great piece on Venezia Stadium for the Gentleman Ultra. Uh, So if you're interested, do check that out. So yeah, uh, it'd be interesting to see how Venezia get on at the weekend against Empoli. And uh, it's a pretty exciting weekend of fixtures, actually, isn't it, Kenny? Yeah, absolutely. um, which are you, I mean, how confident are you feeling about the Atalanta game? Maybe we start there. I know you've... Okay. In fact, we did you predict a draw in the end or did you predict Atalanta to actually uh, come off worse against you? Yes. Spoiler uh, spoiler here. I've actually gone for an away, an away win in that game. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm kind of second questioning myself a little bit um, because... Fiorentina uh, and I think Inter and Juve are the the two other ones. They're one of the clubs who have got quite a few of their sort of main uh, sort of starting eleven really uh, away on international duty and only coming back. I, I think Fiorentina have Pulgar, Gonzalez, and uh, Quarta coming back on on the Friday before the game, so that might disrupt them a little bit. But I mean, for quite a few reasons, I fancy Fiorentina. I think. For starters, Atalanta, as they quite often do, have started slowly. They haven't hugely impressed in the in the first two games. I think also Atalanta have their their injury problems. Obviously, Gozens was a doubt, but he actually came on for for Germany in their last game in the international break. So hopefully he'll be okay. But Hatibor long term injury. Muriel really worryingly for for Atalanta fans. Looks like he's going to be out for for a long time. Uh, he's got a muscular injury, and uh, apparently they're leaving it for a week before even giving him a scan. So that doesn't sound great at all. Uh, Zapata's not back to to full fitness. Uh, I just think now is the right time to be to be facing Atalanta really and Fiorentina. As I've said last week in our uh, last podcast, um, Fiorentina have really really impressed me at the start of the season. They're looking great under under Italiano. But yeah, the reason I'm second questioning myself is just the number of players who have done that long haul journey so close to the game for Fiorentina. So yeah, an yeah. interesting one, but certainly 
this isn't the Fiorentina of last season. And uh, yeah, the Atalanta that starts the season is never the Atalanta that finishes it. No, for sure. Definitely. Um, definitely accept all those arguments. I still think it's, it's more likely to, they're more likely to share the points. Um, score we'll draw see. for you, is Maybe. it? It's a score draw. Probably a 2-2 if mm. I had to predict. And then also you'd have a few more goals to kind of uh, get closer to your <laughs> average total. But how about you guys? Looking forward to this weekend. Milan v Lazio Sunday night. It's going to be a tough one, isn't it? It's definitely a big game and it's uh, the first true test for either side this season. And uh, it also comes in a pretty heavy and intense week for Milan as a whole. So it's a good time to see where this squad is at and how uh, Pioli's game has developed and where these new players like Magnan and I think Giroud will not make it because he's uh, he had COVID, but where the, the new players can fit in. And uh, it's interesting to know that um, Lazio have not beaten Milan at San Siro in the last uh, 20 games. So, uh, and that's Milan's longest uh, unbeaten streak in, in Serie A apart from against Torino. And uh, also that uh, um, we've mentioned him in a past episode, but uh, former super, super potential young star, Pietro Pelegri got, uh, he's the youngest player ever to score a, a brace in Serie A and, and that, those goals came against Lazio. But um, the aforementioned Chiro Immobile has also scored eight times in his 13 games against Milan. So it's one of these games that could go either way. I'm quietly confident actually because uh, I think that uh, maybe Lazio have uh, kind of performed better than uh, the, the underlying numbers suggest in their first two games. And they were playing against... Uh, Spezia and Empoli with all due respect to those sides but still it, it will be a tough game and uh, uh, it, it's going to be interesting to come up against Sari and Sarismo I, this is the first uh, episode where Sari is in Serie A where, where we're, we're on air so I'm kind of curious to, to watch more of Lazio because of course I watched him when he was at uh, Chelsea and also at Napoli and Juve but now we're, we're in the mix of it so I, it's, suddenly I have some sort of obligation to see what he's doing and Obviously, as I said, it's going to be really interesting. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's looked good from the highlights so far, but like you say, it will be good to see that live. Uh, I think an interesting point about this game as well is the uh, if reports are to believed uh, are to be believed, Frank Kessi will be back in the in the Milan side, and uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic as well. Apparently, is touch and go whether whether he'll play. So, I mean, it could be a near could be a near full strength Milan uh, obviously they had the worrying news about Giroud so no doubt the sight of uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic coming back is uh, something that would be welcomed by, by Milan fans but yeah yeah it should be a great game one of the games of the weekend and and just to add um, a little bit more uh, statistical uh, information about what why I suggest that uh, Lazio maybe have been overachieving they scored nine goals in the first two games, yet their XG was uh, 4.7, which is the the biggest uh, gap between actual goals scored and uh, and the XG in Europe besides PSG. So that says a lot. And one last thing about Milan is if they were to win this game, it would be the first time ever that they win. They would have won their first three games in back-to-back seasons. Mm, good stat. Something to aim for for you guys then. It's almost as good as a trophy coming from a Spurs fan. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> but yeah both of you mentioned in your previews there the kind of players that are out and missing and obviously kind of inevitable in covered times and there'll be a few players missing from Napoli Juve as well but probably still the pick of the weekend games isn't it Kenny 
Yeah, well, as Boaz mentioned earlier, we'll have to see if uh, Insignia is back. But yeah, Juve are actually the team that seem to be worst affected by that sort of late return of, of players from from South America. So Dybala and Cuadrado coming back on, on the Friday and apparently Alexandro, Danilo and Bentancur not expected back until Saturday. And I have to say, I, I, I've said, I said it last week as well, I think possibly the kind of... Um, crisis at Juve is overblown a little bit I think you look at the you look at the players they've got they've got a very very strong starting 11 if anything perhaps they don't have the depth that you would expect of a, of a Juve uh, but just those names I mean Cuadrado absolutely vital one of the best right backs if not the best right back in in Serie A in recent seasons Dybala we've said we've made a lot about the fact that uh, he needs to sort of improve on on last season when he had all sorts of uh, issues, if you know if they're going to find replacement for the spark created by Cristiano Ronaldo's departure, and then yeah, I mean who's gonna who's gonna partner uh, Locatelli? Presumably will start, but who's going to partner him in in the centre of midfield? So they do have a lot of a lot of problems there. I just I don't know why um, there's no logic to it, but I just can't see Juve having another disappointing week. I think with Max Allegri at the helm, I kind of feel like they've got to click into gear sooner rather than later. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a, mm. it, it's a tough one. Um, I I have a slight hunch that you're going to win this one. Big talk about your predictions, but they seem, I don't know, there's a couple of strange ones in there for sure. You've got Juve <laughs> and Hang me out to Juve dry. turning around Atalanta losing. Yeah, what do you think of uh, his predictions, Baz, specifically for this game? I think this game is a very hard game to call. Um, of course, while Kenny mentions that uh, Juve have a bit of an injury crisis, or at the very least a World Cup qualification players coming back crisis, Napoli have their own issues with uh, the, their goalkeepers being injured or presumably injured. And um, of course, you have to remember that Napoli kind of struggled in the first two games, albeit with 10 players in uh, the game against Venezia. But... You, you could look at it in two different ways. You could say that uh, Napoli showed a lot of character in, in these games where they possibly struggled, but they got away with a win, whereas in the past they might have dropped points. And But at the, at the same time, uh, you have to wonder how, what they'll do when they'll come up against a team like Juventus, particularly considering that Spalletti has only beaten Juventus once in uh, 20 encounters. So be uh, looking forward to watching that one, the uh, early evening kickoff on the Saturday as well. So great time for it. Uh, we should just say uh, in other news, obviously players have been coming back slightly late, as we mentioned in the Juve game. Uh, but Diawara plus two Fiorentina players, uh, Amrabat and Marley, um, got caught up in the coup in Guinea. And we do now have news they'd all safely got out of there. Um, so obviously very thankful for that. Um, but I was on a slightly night, lighter note, you've been keeping track of uh, Italians of, of traveling abroad elsewhere. So yeah, this is my favorite segment, <laughs> keeping up with the Italians. And uh, I'm happy to report that Stefano Caca has moved from uh, Udinese and joins a growing rank of play- of Italians and uh, former Serie A players in Turkey, uh, including uh, Mario Balotelli's brother, who was in the second division there. The other international fact that I wanted to add was that uh, Eddie Reyes Albania beat uh, Marco Rossi's Hungary 1-0, so kind of an international derby there. And uh, going back to the core, the raison d'etre of this uh, segment, 
Um, we have uh, Juventus traveling to Malmo for a game, and you'd be interested to know that uh, Malmo is was first mentioned as a city in 1275 and has received its coat of arms in 1437 <laughs> and, has an inc- <laughs> and is located at... I wonder at- where you got that fact from. Hmm. <laughs> And since the construction of the Orsgun Bridge, Malmo has undergone a major transformation, now producing architectural developments. So definitely a place to visit, um, if that's your kind of thing. And... uh, um, It's amazing knowledge, Buzz. And our our good friends at Atalanta will be traveling to um, Villarreal, where they can see Groget, who is the submarine-headed figure that is the team's mascot. I'm sure that's a huge highlight if you're ever in the city. And lastly, my beloved uh, AC Milan will travel to Liverpool where they can see the port, which was formerly a UNESCO World Heritage Site, but <laughs> because it got so developed and so cool, UNESCO decided to uh, take this uh, title away from them. And I, from what I can understand, Liverpool are quite happy that this title is taken away because they've managed to regenerate the whole area. So I'm sure the Milan fans will be glad, if any Milan fans travel, will be glad to go over there and get beaten up. <laughs> <laughs> Looking forward to next week uh, when we travel to Istanbul with Lazio and to Leicester with Roma. So uh, get researching, bars. That will be fun. It will be fun. If anyone has any interesting facts about Malmo, I swear I looked a lot. But <laughs> it seems like a slightly, um, let's say, lackluster place to travel. Sorry. It's got a good bridge, I heard. Anyway. <laughs> Baz, do you want to kick us off in the Honourable and Dishonourables, um, Western McKenney? Yeah, this is, um, we have a regular award on the show called uh, Living La Vidal Loca for outstanding idiocy off the field. And um, actually, we gave an award to Nyangolan for drink driving a couple of weeks ago, and that that should have fallen under this, but we forgot about it. But we have a, a new entry and probably someone who goes straight to the, straight to the top of the list, and it's uh, Weston McKinney who um, managed to break uh, curfew and protocol twice while away with the u.s men's national team and um firstly the one night apparently he was off the outside of the the location or with the hotel or wherever they were staying and apparently the following night he uh had someone who an unidentified person come to his room so i mean having already been up to these kind of shenanigans uh with juventus last last season i think um Maybe he needs to get his head uh, screwed back on his shoulders because it looks like he's got a bit of a head of himself. Mm. Indeed. Naughty, naughty. (laughs) (laughs) Kenny, do you want to give us your obligatory goals honourable? Yeah, obligatory goals honourable. I don't think I can look much further than Moise Ken this week for his his second and at least fourth goal against uh, Lithuania. Just a really, really lovely technique, beautiful volley. Uh, and it has to be said, uh, credit to Bernardeschi for his floated pass-through um, as well. Uh, and the other goals honourable I'm giving is for Milan slash Spal's Lorenzo Colombo uh, for what was a face-saving, uh, albeit very attractive goal for the Azzurini versus uh, Montenegro. Just a very nice kind of classic turn and hit into the bottom corner uh but yeah great one so go and check that one out as well absolutely i'll uh make sure to look them all up again um buzz is this an honorable or a dishonorable for a well-learned geezer it's definitely an honorable um Inieto Cocchieri's uh, career would definitely not uh, be not seem remarkable to most he um had a youth career with Varese and uh he was in uh, Inter's reserve with Mario Balotelli and uh, Leonardo Bonucci, amongst other players. 
but um, let's say his career never took off to the standards of those players and he played in Liga Pro and Switzerland and Belgium but what differentiates this guy from um, other other players is that while he was uh, traveling around Europe he was also studying at various universities in Geneva and in Belgium and and currently he works for the European Parliament while he also plays in the second division in Belgium so I mean um, it's it's nice that he can multitask like this <laughs> what a career and Kenny back on the Azzurri you've got one yeah. for the boss for the gaffer Mancini yeah yeah, this was uh, he was asked about the fact that I think Jorginho and Donnarumma were the only players that started all three of the games in the uh, international round of fixtures. Um, and I think Jorginho, the only reason he started is just because he said he he didn't really have any any other options, and he asked him to give him you know at least forty five minutes. Um, but just his quote afterwards, which seemed very grown up and responsible, um, as we don't often see this sort of thing between international managers and uh, and club and the clubs um, but he said i didn't get any calls from any of the clubs uh, obviously asking me to rest the players if we can occasionally safeguard players i don't see a problem we always have done so and we always will and yeah yeah i just think uh, great great stuff nice uh, pragmatism from mancini there and yeah as we mentioned already got results anyway indeed and speaking of Jorginho, we should just give him an honorable for being the first foreign-born captain since 1960. And, Boaz, you now have an honourable for... Yeah, this is a a slightly more sombre tone. Um, Unfortunately, Juventus youngster Brian Dodien passed away from cancer um, in the past, recently, and uh, he'd beaten the disease a couple years ago and was famously... uh, Paul Pogba uh, supported uh, him massively and sent him like wishes and also while he was at Juve he showed a shirt with his name on it but unfortunately the disease uh, came back and uh, the guy um, lost his battle with it and obviously it's uh, sad news and all of the Juventus's uh, social media presence was suitably uh, sending messages and there was a lot of support from the whole of the Serie A world which is nice to see at least. Yeah, very sad. Yeah, indeed. Um, and just want to slightly uh, lighten the tone after that. I guess we discussed Tommy Asu's transfer to from Bologna to Arsenal briefly last week, um, but we should just give him an honourable for introducing himself as Tommy from Bologna. Um, top bloke. <laughs> top bloke, indeed. Boaz, you've got one more dishonourable, though. Yeah, this is the story that developed uh, last week when uh, both Milan and Inter announced their Champions League tickets uh, allocations and also the pricing and for most of the sections in San Siro the Milan pricing was almost double the amount that the Inter was now if I had to be a little bit funny about this I'd say that you're getting double the amount of value so it makes sense but obviously um, particularly with a a global pandemic and a lot of people being out of work or at the very least underworked it's kind of ridiculous to ask for this much money for uh to see a football match, albeit the first uh, Champions League game in so many years. And I think that uh, particularly areas like the Curva and areas that maybe are a little bit less um, fancy should should be somehow allocated to uh, those fans that maybe ca- can't afford to have a VAP session every time. Having said that, um, the price of living in Italy has really gone up in, in recent since the pandemic. And you have to see that also huge concerts are going for massive prices. So, I mean, it makes sense that if there is a lot of demand for these tickets, that Milan will try and would try and raise it. But um, maybe next time uh, Milan and Inter should consult before announcing their their pricing. Yeah, it is uh, 
It's a little bit depressing, isn't it? All the Twitter comments that you see from uh, American uh, followers of the league just saying, like, you should see how much the NFL costs, which is not really the point. Um, dishonorable for those yeah. people. Uh, Kenny, <laughs> you wanted to uh, end us off with a pretty hilarious one. Yeah, this is, I'm not sure. I, yeah, I think it's good to be a dishonorable for, for the Larry Geezer with a whistle in the in the crowd of, uh, yeah, the, the Italy-Lithuania game who decided to blow the final whistle about 15 seconds before the referee and, yeah, prompted the, the stadium PA guy to, to blare music out across the stadium. Uh, they, all of the players to kind of stop playing. It was and, convincing to be fair. <laughs> It was. It was very professionally done. I mean, yeah, maybe a trained ref or no something. No chance. Nah, definitely not. You wouldn't get a referee doing something like that. No, probably not. But literally all of the players stopped playing and the, the referee running around hilariously trying to explain that the game wasn't finished yet, uh, only to restart it for a full 10 or 15 seconds afterwards. So uh, I think I, I quote Boaz here uh, when I say naughty, naughty. <laughs> yeah and also if he was a trained referee we wouldn't be able to give him a dishonorable so let's well, there, there is that and your, your boy Di Silvestri handled it right after the f- the false whistle went off and so th- that was also kind of funny yeah it would have been good if he'd given a free kick anyway um that is all we've got time for this week so thanks very much to our listeners thank you again to Marco Rinaldi for the excellent interview uh we'll be back next week until then enjoy the football Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.